0: Thanks for tuning in again to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentico's message is the conclusion to Beauty and the Beast. Now, we hope that you were able to listen to the first portion of this broadcast. But if not, it's always available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Look for the broadcast schedule there on the main page. You'll see this message available for you to download or listen to in an on-demand audio format. Also, there are many other messages available there for you. I'll have more information at the close of our broadcast today. So stay with us for just a few seconds afterwards, if you would. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentanco.
1: At this point, Solomon's affirmation is confidence in her blossoms within her. She begins to reflect what he has said. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 1. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Now here she affirms that she is a rose of Sharon. Sharon was a town in Gilead, which was located in the region east of the Jordan River in the land of the tribes of Gad and Manasseh. The Bible repeatedly teaches that there is a bomb in Gilead. So what is that bomb in Gilead in the land of Sharon, spiritually speaking? It is God's presence. Isaiah 65, verse 10. It says, And Sharon shall be a pasture land for flocks, and the valley of Acor a resting place for herds for my people who seek me. So the bombing Gilead, that which heals the hearth, heals the heart and heals the home, is the presence of God in your life. When you seek the Lord, there is good pasture land and rest that is found in the Lord. The Shulamite is a lily of the valley in the land of Sharon because she seeks the Lord in her life. She's not a secular girl looking for sensuality and self-fulfillment. She's a spiritual woman looking for a man of God so she can live for God. And she believes that the Lord has spoken through Solomon to her. True attraction is spiritually based and rooted in God's principles of life. It is not the product of sensuality or passion. Proper passion surrenders to God's will and God's purpose for your life. In the Song of Solomon, it says, Do not arouse or awaken love until it pleases. Keep your relationships right so you can be right for the person you love. I'd like to share with you a simple principle for all of you that are in the dating age. As physical affection increases, communication decreases before marriage. So if you want to wreck your courtship, just increase physical affection before marriage. If you keep it back, you hold it back. If you don't arouse or awaken love until it pleases, as the Song of Solomon says, you will be better able to communicate. But if you increase physical affection before marriage, it will be more difficult to communicate. Now, after marriage, it's the other way around. As you have a confidence and commitment in your relationship, as physical affection increases, communication can increase as well. What makes the difference is commitment and marriage. Do you understand what I said? So I want to admonish the young people of our church. Hang on. Don't go with the popular notions of our culture. It says you've got to give away who you are early. If you've made mistakes, make a decision with God right now to get it right. He forgives you of your sins. He puts it behind you. And you make the decision right now to do it in the right fashion. Find the right man or right woman and be right for them in the plan of God. So true attraction is spiritually based and rooted in God's principles of life for you. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4. The bride in the Song of Solomon sang this song to her beloved groom. He brought me to the banqueting hall and his banner over me was love. The Song of Solomon starts with these words in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The song of songs, which is Solomon's. Oh, that you would kiss me with the kisses of your mouth for your love is better than wine. The song of songs is the song of true love. Love is the sweetest song. Love is the greatest song. The wisest man who ever lived to find it forever is a song two hearts must sing together in unity. Love is the song of songs. In the heart of the song of Solomon is the robust theme of exclusive love knit together by God's love. The Shulamite declared, My beloved is mine and I am his. You may never marry, But if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you can experience this kind of love as well. Did you hear me? You may never marry. You may have given yourself in service to God in the church. You're not left out. Because the highest plane of love is spiritual love. The affection, the devotion you have for the Lord Jesus and for the God of the universe can meet this need at a level that will hold you secure and as a whole person. You don't miss out in life if it is not God's plan for you to marry. Paul, in Ephesians 5.32, makes this statement in regards to marriage. He says, the mystery is a profound one. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and to the church. Every soul must be betrothed to the bridegroom, who is Jesus Christ. Christ is the head of the church, as Solomon was the shepherd, the shepherd king for the Shulamite. Second Corinthians eleven two, Paul says, I feel a divine jealousy for you, for I betrothed you to Christ to present you as a pure bride to her one husband. Solomon's attitude toward the Shulamite is the same kind of attitude Jesus has for his people approach him in humility and need. You can take all those insecurities to Jesus. What are they? Physical insecurities, emotional insecurities, personal loss. And how does the Lord Jesus interact with you when you come to him with these? He does not reject you. He affirms you. He forgives you. He accepts you. And what will he say to you if you seek to pasture your flocks near his tent? What will he say if you seek to be his friend? Behold, you're beautiful. Behold, you're beautiful. Behold, you're beautiful. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean you can't miss it. Solomon is acting out. The very picture of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In his relationship to the church. When God looks at you through the lens of Jesus Christ. He sees a soul that is beautiful to him. Because you by faith and baptism belong to Jesus Christ. The Song of Solomon is operating at different levels of meaning. And all are important here. So if you never marry, if you never have a romantic relationship in your life that culminates in the kind of commitment here described, you can be betrothed to Jesus. You can be committed to Jesus. Yes, you can be married to Jesus in covenant relationship and have the great God of the universe pour His love and affection to your life. The Song of Solomon the Groom is patterned after God in His interaction with His covenant people. Like Moses, they meet in the cleft of the rock. She comes to love her husband as Moses came to love God in the cleft of the rock. He leads her to the holy mountain like God led his people to Mount Sinai. His leadership is spiritual for her. And she does not try to supplant that leadership because God was the leader of his people. Song of Solomon 2.14 The fig tree puts forth its figs. And the vines are in blossoms. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love my fair one, and come away. It's an exodus of love. They leave the land of wondering for a new land of promise and commitment. Verse 14, O oh my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the covert of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is comely. Friend, you're only beautiful to God in your relationship to Jesus. If you try to be beautiful without knowing Jesus, you aren't. You can't make yourself beautiful to Him. You cannot commend yourself to God. And you can't cover yourself from your sins so that you can stand without shame in the judgment day. In His presence, in His presence there is life. And the great God of the universe seeks you in the cleft of the rock. The cleft of the rock is the place of prayer and spiritual revelation. And that's where love is found in the Song of Solomon. It's where you find God on your knees. It is there where affirmation is heard from God, where the Bible is applied to your life. Your voice is sweet and your face is comely in the cleft of the rock. The voice that seeks Jesus is sweet to God. And the face that turns to Him for righteousness is comely to Him. Real beauty is found in the heart that seeks the living God, that turns to Jesus, that is found like Moses looking unto God. God hid Moses in the cleft of the rock when he asked to see his face. And what did God say to him in the cleft of the rock? Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving what? Iniquity and transgression and sin, God is the ideal husband for his church. He has the right attitude for his people, and so he is modeling what is discovered in the Song of Solomon by the Shulamite. The groom in the Song of Solomon is wrapped in a cloud because he resembles Christ who led his people in the wilderness, Song of Solomon 3.6. What is that coming up from the wilderness, like a column of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense with all the fragrant powders of the merchant? The column of smoke is the pillar of cloud that led God's people out of Egypt. The perfume, myrrh, and frankincense are the sacred smells of the sanctuary. The wise men brought myrrh and frankincense to the little Lord Jesus. We're told in the book of Revelation that they are a symbol of prayer. And so he is pictured as a man of prayer, a man of God, led by God, who looks like God. The husband can lead his family and love his wife because he patterns his life after The life of Christ. As Christ cares for his people, the husband must care for his wife and his family. Gentlemen, I'm going to speak pretty directly here. You have no business being a lazy husband. You don't. If you're not working for your future, if you're not putting your best effort for your family, if you're not putting your foot forward... Now, you may not be the smartest man on earth. You may not have the greatest education. But you have the gift of effort. If you're not using your effort to make a difference for your wife, there's something wrong with your commitment to your family. Am I right? Okay. Because a woman of God must submit to a man of God who has the credentials of being a man of God. And if you don't, why should she? Does that make sense? If you're not leading the way God has asked you to lead, you're not in the right place in your family relationship. God is calling on the men of the church at the end of time to pattern their relationships after the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great God of Israel. There must be a generation of men who love their wives, who are strong in defending the values of the family and providing for their families. The wise man brought myrrh and frankincense to the Lord Jesus. It points to him, this column of smoke, is a principle that Jesus imputes to the believer, imperfect though he be, male and female, perfect righteousness, because Christ died for his bride to wash her clean and to make her bright. That's what the scripture teaches. Song of Solomon 4.7 You are fair, my love, there is no flaw in you. If you are surrendered to Jesus Christ in humility, there is no flaw in you either. You may not feel like it, but if you have surrendered to Christ and you've accepted him as Savior, God declares you clean and perfect in his eyes. You receive a right now righteousness that is an objective righteousness that is not your righteousness, but it becomes yours because of your connection to the Lord Jesus and your faith in Jesus. His credentials replace your lack of credentials. His acceptance replaces your insecurity. The verdict that God gave him replaces the negative verdict you deserve in the judgment day. And you are righteous in the eyes of a holy God because of Jesus. My favorite theologian had this to say in a Signs of the Times article dated April 10, 1893. She wrote, We are not to serve God as if we were not human. But we are to serve him as those who have been redeemed by the Son of God. And through the righteousness of Christ, we shall stand before God, pardoned as though we had never sinned. We shall never gain strength in considering what we might do if we were angels. In other words, if we were perfect. Forget this notion of trying to be perfect like angels, he's saying. That's not what God's called you to be. But as obedient children, we are to turn in faith to Jesus Christ and show our love to God through obedience to His commands. She's saying that you aren't perfect, but in Jesus you are pardoned so you can become what you are not. Turn to God and live for Him without reservation. That's the right response to a right now righteousness given by grace from a heart of love. Jesus said, John 17, 3, and this is eternal life. What is it? That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. What good is heaven if Jesus is not your friend? What good is it? And what good is marriage if your spouse is not your friend either? Right? Song of Solomon 5.16 His speech is most sweet and he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. What kind of love does God have? And what kind of love does God require of his people? Deuteronomy 6.4 Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Verse 5 And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This is the kind of love that a Christian husband has for his wife. Song of Solomon 6.9 My dove, my perfect one, is only one. You can hear the divine command. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Achad. And the same statement is made. My dove, my perfect one, achad, is only one. In the second commandment, God speaks plainly. And He says, I am a jealous God. God will not share your affection with other gods. When you love Him... As He is, when you know God to be God in your life, you cannot have other gods before Him. Yes, you can be tempted, but you must surrender those gods or you serve no one in the end. The same kind of love is found in the Christian marriage. You cannot love your spouse and compromise your devotion with someone else at the same time. God has called you to an unreserved love for your spouse as if there is no other in the world. Song of Solomon 8.6 Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, a most vehement flame. The Hebrew literally reads, It is the very fire of the Lord. Jealous love that will not let you go. Jealous love that will not share you with another. Jealous love that claims you for all eternity with the passion that brought Christ to the cross is the very fire of the Lord. And nothing could drown the love of God that gave us Jesus. That love persevered through the second death and the agonies of Calvary to claim your soul for eternity. God's story is not a story, it's the truth. It's a tale of beauty and the best, not beauty and the beast. At the marriage feast of Cana, Jesus turned the water into fresh wine. New stuff. And when the steward tasted it, the steward of the feast said, you have saved the best for last. It's beauty and the best, not beauty and the least or beauty and the beast. Jesus Christ is the best. And he becomes the model for every Christian husband in his plan. Song of Solomon 814. In the end, love doesn't leave it for you to find him. In the end, Love comes to you. Song of Solomon 8.14 Make haste, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag upon the mountain spices. Come for me. Dear heart, Jesus comes for every heart that loves him in this way. David Welch was a retired Kansas salesman. He fell asleep at the wheel on Highway 70 in Utah. His minivan sped off the road and fell into a deep ravine. It rolled until it finally rested on its side beyond the view of the speeding cars. The evidence suggests that Mr. Welch was injured and he was unable to get out of the van. So there he was in his van. It was turned over. He was stuck. He lived for days in that van. That's a fact. It's thought he perhaps lived for weeks. No one knows for sure, but it was pretty long. Thousands of cars rifled by on the interstate. And no one knew that Dave was broken down alone right there in the ravine near Highway 70 in Utah. Dave was trapped in a desolate land so near to others and yet so far from home. And what did Dave do dying in that van? Because he died in that van. He spent his time, what time he had left, productively writing love letters to his family. If his family couldn't reach him, He was determined he would reach them and he would define the relationship for the rest of their memory, for the rest of their life. He was dying and he knew it, but he had no time to waste. He had to write something down. There was a journal there and he was writing in his journal. One note after another, dear beloved wife, I love you. And he said in ways I can't repeat here. He talked about his children, how he loved them. Now, they put this message out for Dave seven weeks later. He never got it. Dear Dave, it's been seven weeks since you left. Your wife, children, and grandchildren miss you more than the sky is high. Your classmates and friends are concerned for your health and want to help. As we sit at home tonight with tears welling up, our hearts aching, we wonder where you are. We only pray that you see this message and ask God to bring you home soon. We love you as they were reaching out to him with a message of love, he had finished doing the same thing with his pen. Dave died in that van alone. But Dave didn't die before he could tell his wife in many ways that he loved her and his family too. Friend, at the cross of Calvary, Jesus crashed into the ravine of all our sins I mean, if you're thinking that somehow God doesn't love you, or you've come into some intellectual notion that God hasn't demonstrated His love enough to be worthy of worship, then you have not looked at the cross of Christ. Friend, when God was hanging on that cross in the person of Jesus, hell is defined by the cross of Calvary. What He went through from Gethsemane to the cross cannot be packed in space and time. It cannot be placed in the consciousness of a normal human being. He was reliving the life of every human being as the nexus for the human race. The condemnation of the human race, rightly deserved by our rebellion, by our rebel planet that left God, was sifting through him as a supernatural current. Unable to resist it, he was caught in the flood and the flow of time as the one man for every man and woman. And if you do not believe that God loves you, it's because you do not understand the depth of the cross of Calvary. At the cross of Calvary, Jesus, who was God, who emptied himself to become a human being, did not use the power of God to save himself. And what he did for you at that cross and the timeless suffering of the hour can never be understood. It can only be worshipped. Like Dave, Jesus reached out to those he loved. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. I'm caught in the ravine of every person's evil and sin. Forgive them. They know not what they do. He said to you, he said to you as if there was no other. He said, I love you forever. And he wrote it down in his own blood. He signed, he ratified the everlasting covenant of God's love He made the law of God a secure principle for all time. He ratified it with His blood. The signature of love. God is love. God's law. God's nature. And God's will is love. It is. And it will always be who He is. God is love. And when you really know God when you really understand the cross of Christ, when you put that pride aside and you bow down and you worship the Lord Jesus for who He is in your life, that's when you really begin to love in your life. That's when selfishness is replaced by something supernatural deep within. That's when a man becomes a man of God. That's when a woman becomes a woman of God. And in that moment... And as you walk in that love, you hold it for the rest of your life. You will be willing, like him, to give your life for those you love. Because you have learned to love. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. Father, we know from Scripture we worship an unselfish God. Lord, help us to be like you. Give us in our lives the forgiveness we need, the acceptance and the smiling disposition through forgiveness to overcome every insecurity and to love others in spite of them. And, Father, may the Holy Spirit be poured out upon the young people of this church to raise a high standard at the end of time, not to settle for the junk of the world, the alley cats of Hollywood, but to set their sights on being a true man, a true woman of God. And Father, we believe that the one who started the work will finish it. May your love be manifest in the lives of everyone who choose to love you by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart. That will conclude Beauty and the Beast, today's message. You can download a copy if you would like from reachingyourheart.com. Or listen right there in on-demand audio format. That's reachingyourheart.com. That same website is also available for you to help us out with a financial contribution. So appreciate those. They help us to continue to bring you this broadcast here on this station and many other stations. Again, that's reachingyourheart.com. You'll find an opportunity there for you to donate online to send you a contribution through the mail. The address here is Reaching Hearts International, 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. That's 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. That is also the address for the worship service this Saturday at 11 o'clock. If you're in the area, please stop by. We'd love to have you as our guest. And thanks for listening. As always, we pray God is reaching your heart.